Thank you for that, Neil. Um, it, it is kind of appropriate this morning that we, we sing a song like that before we, we get up and speak and go to God in, in, in His presence. We uh, are going to take a moment to lean on the everlasting arms. Um, talk to Scott Horsley this morning and uh, Logan's best friend, Gil ba- Baca. Uh, committed suicide yesterday. We, uh, we rejoice with those who rejoice, we mourn with those who mourn, and we pray for people in all, in all situations. So let's take a moment and go to, uh, go to God in prayer for, uh, for the Baca family, for uh, the Horsleys and uh, Logan and, and all those who have been affected by this. Father God, we, uh, we come to you collectively this morning uh, praying for uh, a local family who is, who's hurting in ways that, uh, that we cannot heal. Father, be with the friends and the family of Gil. We pray that uh, we know that you're already with them, that uh, we pray a, a, a sense of of healing, of love, of uh, comfort in ways that only that you can. Be with them as they mourn through this time. Uh, surround them, Father, with people that, uh, that will guide them and to be with them through this time. Thank you for your spirit who is, <clears throat> who is with us as, we, uh, uh, as words fall short, as uh, we uh, sometimes don't really know what to pray for, Father. We... Uh, also pray for a, a, a spirit of, of protection uh, over the young people in our world today, over anybody that is, is struggling with, with suicidal thoughts, Father. We pray that they know that they are loved, that they know that uh, there are people here, there are people in their lives who will listen, who will hear them, who uh, will encourage them, and, uh, and help hold them up when they feel like that there's nothing else to do in this world. We pray a, a barrier of, of protection from, from Satan and his minions that, that plant ideas into people's minds like that, that uh, tell them that this world is, is worthless, that they are worthless, that there is, is nothing in this world that is good, that, that they are no good to this world, Father, because we know that they are loved by you, that they are created by you for a special purpose. Uh, and, Father, we pray that... Uh, we may be a source of that purpose. We may be a source of love for those that are struggling with, uh, with this life. This world is, a, is and can be a rough place, and we pray that we can be <clears throat> a source of, of love and encouragement uh, and a source of Jesus for those in this world that are struggling, Christians or non-Christians, whoever. Um, God, help us to do what we can to encourage them, uh, to be there for them, uh, and to guide them to you. And through Jesus we pray. Amen. As I said, this world can be a rough place. We, uh, it's sad to see so many dividing lines in this world. <clears throat> Politics, authority figures, religion, unfortunately. When does life begin? Big question in our world today that divides many people. 
rights versus security. There's way too much us versus them in this world. There's enough fighting going on, and, and we, frankly, as Christians, don't need to be contributing to that. Not saying that all of us do. <clears throat> in history, however, <coughs> excuse me. In history, however, we, we've not been our best. We've not done our best. Uh, we have, do have our moments, though. Christians, this time of year, celebrating Christmas and families come together. It is a time that's supposed to be joyous, a time that we're supposed to, to, to have an opportunity to love on people who need loving on, but it's also a time where a lot of people feel alone, a lot of people feel separated, a lot of people feel by themselves in this world. We need to be a source of peace. We need to be a source of love, of unconditional love, of you are a human being, and so therefore we love you because God loves you. It's part of why we are here, why any of us are here. It starts with seeing people the way God sees people, as His beloved creation, somebody that He spent time knitting together in their mother's womb, somebody that He has plans for, somebody that He has, has gifts to give, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 17. I forgot again, Chris. <laughs> uh, tells us to regard no one from a worldly point of view. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. As Neil mentioned, it is almost 2020. It's kind of an interesting uh, year. It's a, kind of a neat number that a lot of us felt like was so far away. You know, the 80s were 40 years ago. <laughs> Sorry, I was, I was born in 79. You know, it, the, the 90s were 30 years ago. That, just, that doesn't seem right. It's, it's, it's a time that many of our, our old favorite science fiction movies have, have come and gone. Yeah, Marty McFly came here five years ago. Um, if, you, uh, if you're a, a sci-fi buff, there's a lot of movies that you know, took place in 2001. Uh, the, uh, uh, what's the Harrison Ford movie? I just lost it. They had uh, Blade Runner. Uh, Blade Runner took place in 2019, by the way. 2020, it's a new year. Putting 2019 behind us. May we do what we can to make 2020 a, a, a clearer year that we may see the people around us. Uh, may, hopefully Barbara Walters will be at the New Year's celebration and at the beginning of can say, I'm Barbara Walters and this is 2020. Um, you older folks will get that one, younger folks, sorry. Um, but may we do what we can to see people in a new light in 2020. May we see the new creation that we are, that God has made us, to be. May we see that our old has gone, but there are many people who are still wrestling with, who are still walking around with, still struggling with things in their lives that God can easily and has already paid the price and paved the way to take away. New life is something to be shared. It is not something to keep to ourselves. We, uh, 
sometimes think we, I sometimes think we need to kind of come out of our trenches, come out of our, our, our isolation um, that we've dug for ourselves, and remembering Jesus coming to earth for us, bring peace and bring love and bring gifts to the world around us. I think it's interesting. It's almost year, 105 years ago last week. It was 1914. On Christmas Eve in Europe, on the Western Front, World War I was six months old. And there's a story that comes out of Christmas Eve, 1914, on the Western Front in Europe that is starting to get attention again. It gets a little bit of attention every year. But this year, uh, a a big company, Sainsbury's, made a, a commercial remembering that Christmas Eve 105 years ago. A Christmas truce was declared for World War I in 1914. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, it was not as documented as maybe we might hope. Uh, we kind of joke about a lot of people my age uh, with teenagers these days joke about how we're really glad we didn't have smartphones and cell phones and social media when we were kids. Uh, we got, a lot, got away with a lot more than, than kids do these days. But could you imagine for a second if smartphones and cameras in your pockets and social media were around at Christmas Eve in 1914. The, the, the viral videos and the viral posts and, the, and, and photographs that, that would have just gone around the world and who knows, maybe ended World War I sooner than it actually did. Not to, I could very easily turn this sermon into a history lesson this morning because I've, I've been researching this and it's, it's fascinating the, the things that happened. These young men, it, Many of them, uh, if you've uh, seen, there's a documentary that came out not too long ago. Um, it was called uh, uh, They Will Not Be Forgotten, which took a lot of footage, uh, camera footage from World War I that had a, its own kind of frame rate and, and different kind of things. And they, they took it, they digitized it, and they made it look like a modern day like, filming. And they had, actually had you know, audio interviews from a lot of young men from, from World War I and World War II that they're talking about how when they were 14 and 15 years old, they enlisted in the army to go off and fight a war. Lied about their age, obviously, and some people let them in a lot of cases. And, and you've got these, it, 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 in the, on the Western Front in Europe at this point, weeks before Christmas Eve, it had been raining constantly. Uh, the bombardment, the fires, the shooting, just the, the war, the thing that war had done to the landscape around these trenches, you know, took away basically every tree, every blade of grass. It was, uh, the area between the, the trenches was called no man's land, because basically if you stepped out into no man's land, you had no cover, you had, had nowhere to hide, you, you were dead. And a lot of times the, the fronts were so close to each other, a hundred feet or less, which is I actually stepped it out this week, is that from where I'm standing to the elevator at the, the back of the, the foyer over there is about 100 feet. That's how close a lot of these soldiers were to each other. And it got to a point where you know, you, nobody could get any further. You, you stepped out of your trenches and you were dead. That was it. You saw the, the young men in the, in the commercial about how scared they were by stepping up into the open. 
uh, yeah, that, that's how it was. It makes me think, though, as I did research on this, makes me think about how God says he, he brings the, the sunshine and the rain on the godly and the ungodly alike. For weeks leading up to Christmas Eve, it rained and rained and rained, and these guys are living in dirt. So, I mean, this is East Texas. You guys know what happens when rain rain and rain meets dirt. You create a lot of mud, and these guys lived in holes in the ground. They walked on mud all the time. I don't know if anybody, last time you walked through a bunch of mud. Anybody here done a, done a Tough Mudder before? Yeah, a couple of you. Notice how almost nobody raised their hand? Good job. You're smart. No, I'm just kidding. I want to do a Tough Mudder one day, but I have to go, John. Uh, but when you, you walk through mud, even just a little bit, it's, it's slippery, it's, you know, you, it's nasty, you, it's falling, and you don't want to do any of that. You don't want to do it at all. These guys lived in this for months at a time. No relent in the rain. A lot of times they would even go on patrols in and around the, the trenches, and it got to a point where everybody there was so miserable because of the weather, the wet, the cold, that the patrols would see each other and just ignore each other. It's like, it's, it's not worth it. But on Christmas Eve, when the truce was called, the clouds parted, the rain went away, the sun came out, snow blanketed the mud, and it actually got cold enough that the mud froze solid, so these men on both sides were walking on the first firm ground for weeks. Nothing happening, and they started coming out of their trenches. The, the, bom the bombing stopped, the artillery stopped, and it, every account that I could find, isn't it a wonder that the first song that was sung that night was Silent Night. It's the first time for months that it had actually been quiet at nighttime. And somebody sings Silent Night on Christmas Eve, a song that people from other countries, people from other cultures knew. They sang together. It, it created this bond, this camaraderie that was very much against the rules for, for all of those men that were there. Some of the, you know, borderline treason, but they came out of their trenches. Long story short, I'll let you do your own research. They came out of their trenches, shook hands with the men across the way because they were just as tired of fighting as they were. I mean, it, none of them wanted to be there. They were miserable. And in their misery, they stopped and they remembered Christmas. Remembered the purpose of Christmas. Jesus coming into this world. God amongst us. Emmanuel. And in that they found common ground. In caroling songs about the coming of Jesus, they found common ground. They came out of their trenches. They shook hands. They made peace for ever so limited time. Nothing like this has ever happened before. Nothing like this has ever, happen has ever happened since then. And who knows, maybe, maybe it will again someday, but we pray that we don't have a war like that where that has to happen again. But these men stopped remembering Jesus, came out of their trenches, came out of their safe places, came out of their, their beds in a lot of ways, and came together under Jesus. You see, Jesus came into this world with a mission. He came to set the captives free. Look at uh, Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 21. 
Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he, sent, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently, and then he began to speak to them. He said, the scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Who wouldn't want to sit in on that lesson, right? I want to know what else he said. Can you, can you imagine the hands going up, the questions that were like, what are you, what are you talking about? This is, this is fulfilled in, in, in our presence today. What do you mean? And Jesus explains, I am God and I am here to help you. Frankly, because you need it. And so I'm here. Imagine more people with that mentality in this world. You need help, and so I am here. How many, how many people would, would feel just loved and, and, and accepted and, and, and encouraged by that? We are called to look like Jesus, right? It's our purpose. We, we, as Christians... We, we see Jesus, we see the love that he, that he embodied, we see his sacrifice that, that he you know, gave himself up on the cross, we see the example that he leaves us and we love him and we follow him. We, we, we do what we can, our, our best to look like him and follow him into the fray. This world is a battlefield, y'all. It's rough sometimes. It's hard sometimes. It stinks sometimes. It is, it's, it's a place that nobody wants to be sometimes. This world is a battlefield, and we follow Jesus into the middle of the fight. We are sent to set the captives free. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, and be patient with difficult people. Anybody... Resonate with that? Anybody the difficult people? Yeah? Okay. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. For they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. You see, our mission in this world is a rescue mission. Satan is holding people hostage, and Jesus is sending us to go rescue them. You know, pretty much the number one rule of rescuing a hostage is? Anybody? Don't shoot the hostage, right? I mean, can you imagine for a second a SWAT team breaking into, you know, going, there's, there's, there's a, you know, the guy's holding up a bank, uh, you know, bank robbers, and they, they hold, take people hostage, and they, they take all the money out of the safe. You've seen it in the movies before. We want a car. We want a helicopter. We want way out of here. Can you imagine the SWAT team breaking into the bank, 
you know, arresting all the, all the bank robbers, then walking up to the hostages. How dare you come to the bank today? What were you thinking? My goodness, didn't you have somewhere else better to be? And the hostage is still sitting there, duct taped with the, you know, over the, the mouth, and it's like, um, I'm sorry? <laughs> Don't shoot the hostage. Okay? We have to understand that people in this world are held captive by Satan, and the last thing that they need is a lecture from somebody on how they got there in the first place. How many times have we been in a situation that was really bad and really terrible, and we're really embarrassed, and we're really sorry, and we, we got ourselves there, and we put ourselves there, and we know that, and the last thing we need is a lecture from somebody of something we already know. What we need when we're in a situation like that. What the hostages need is a hand there to help them up, to cut loose, their, to cut them out of their binds, to set them free. Not a, a, a lecture on how they got there in the first place. A lot of times that's what the world expects of us, though. Let's face it. Let's be honest. Sometimes we've done that before. We are in this fight we are in this battle to, to rescue people in this world, but we don't fight like the world does. We fight a little bit differently. Check out Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Basically, people aren't the enemy. Our fight is not with people. Don't shoot the hostage, okay? Satan and his schemes and his lies and the things that he tells people, like this world isn't worth it, like you're not worth it, that your identity is in something other than God and Jesus and the one that created you. And it's the lies that Satan sells this world and sells the hurting. Those are the things that we are fighting. We are not here to fight people. We are here to help people, to rescue people. Satan, the war, Satan knows that the war is over, but the battles still rage on, okay? The victory is won. Jesus has overcome the world. John 16, verse 33, I have told you all this so that you may overcome the world, so that you may have, uh, sorry, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And the neat thing is, so have we. 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. 
Our victory is secured, y'all. We won. The problem is, we just need to tell the world about it. And that's our job, too, is to tell the world that the battle, the war is over. Stop fighting. Why do we celebrate running, <clears throat> which is weird in, in the first place, but every year there's, there's a Boston Marathon, right? Big deal. It's, it's like the marathon for the marathon runners, for the, you know, the people that run for fun. Whatever. <laughs> for the people that run for fun, the Boston Marathon is like a, a really, really big deal, right? I mean, you, for the really, really crazy people, you got the Ironman stuff, <laughs> swimming, bicycling, and then you run a marathon, which is insane. But anyway, uh, for the you know, Boston Marathon every year, big deal. You have to apply. I found out recently you have to apply to even run that marathon. There's, there's a, a really strict, like, uh, a list, of, there's a, you know, testing, and you have to run other marathons first and have official times, and you have to be fast enough to run the Boston Marathon, and they still have the guy on the motorcycle that, like, kicks you off the race if you're not running fast enough. <clears throat> but why do we celebrate a marathon? Why is a marathon a thing? Do you remember? Because some guy, a long time ago, ran 26.2 miles to tell people back home that the war was over. Did you know that after he got there, he yelled out that the war was over, that the, the fight was done, and then he dropped dead from the running? Gave his life to bring the message that the war was over. That's why we celebrate, mar well, we, some of us, celebrate marathons and run 26.2 miles because that sounds like an enjoyable thing to do. That is our, our job is to bring the message to this world that the war is over. Why are we fighting? Can you, a really interesting statistic to me, it's basically impossible to, to calculate or anything like that, but would, would be to find out over time, you know, in the World War I, World War II, the Civil War, all, you know, all these big wars of the world before we had instant global communication, find out how many people died after the war was over that didn't know it. How many people kept fighting the battle that they were in, kept seeing the enemy in somebody else, and didn't even know that the war was officially over? That's the state that we're in now. Ever since Jesus died on the cross, came back from the dead, the war was won, but battles still go on. We just need to tell the world, you don't need to fight anymore. How do we do that? Lots of different ways. Some of us take uh, bullhorns and stand on street corners and yell at people. It, it's a method. I don't think it's super effective. Uh, some of us, you know, we, we gather on Sunday mornings to talk about uh, what it would look like to go out and tell the world uh, that Jesus is Lord, that he is king, and a lot of us do. Some of us aren't, aren't, aren't real good at speaking to people. You know, we have, have a hard time talking and making conversations with strangers, and that's fine. So we do acts of service for them. We, we help people when they need help. Pick up books for kids in the hallway who had their books knocked out of their hands by somebody else. Uh, somebody pulled over on the side of the road. They're, you know, got a flat tire, and 
uh, we stop and help them change it or you know, jump their car, all different kinds of, of things. We hug somebody when they're hurting and tell them that, we, that they are loved, that we love them, and that the world, will, it'll, will, the world is a better place with them in it. We live a little differently. It's almost 2020. If you're looking for a, a list of New Year's resolutions, check out Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible... As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. And on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. What I hear him saying is, live in ways that people don't expect you to live. Love people in ways that they don't expect you to love them. You ask people, you poll people about about Christians in America today. Ask non-Christians about Christians in America today, and a lot of them will, will say that they're, they're judgmental, they're homophobic, they're transphobic, they're all Republican, uh, they're all white and male, if you, you know, depending, it's like, okay, fine, whatever. Um, but there's a lot of things that when, when you hear enough of these interviews, what you hear a lot of people talking about us is that they know what we are against. Not a lot of people know what we are for. But if you do the research, if you actually, if, if we take a second and look, we give, at Christians as a, whole, as a whole worldwide, give to more charities than any other group of people, any other facet of people. We, we do things... I think sometimes maybe take a little bit to heart too much the, uh, the idea of, you know, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. But we are also called to do the, our, our deeds so that people will glorify God. We live a little differently in this world. We are called to live a little differently in this world. And I love the, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink because that's what happened on Christmas Eve in 1914 on the western front of World War I. These guys that were shooting at each other not too long before 
came together, exchanged chocolates, exchanged a lot of alcohol, uh, and exchanged names. There's stories of guys, uh, one, one fellow who, who found his pre-war German barber on, the, on the, the line opposite of him, and during the truce received a shave because you had to shave on the front. Everybody, every man had to shave. There was none, none, none of this, even though it was really cold. And this is a lot warmer in the wintertime. I don't know if you know this or not. But, you know, there, there, everybody had to shave. And one guy found his pre-war German barber across the, the uh, trench from him. And the guy gave him a shave on the truce. Amazing stories came out of this. And, and so much so that, that if um, the, the, it was always the higher-ups that didn't like this kind of thing. It was the, the generals and the, the guys in, in high command that tried to discourage these kind of things, including one German corporal in a Bavarian company named Adolf Hitler, who frowned upon the men fraternizing during the Christmas truce. Go figure. And the really unfortunate thing is, this was the only time in World War I that this happened. World War I was only six months old. People weren't that tired. People were tired of fighting, but they weren't angry yet. By the next Christmas Eve in 1915, World War I had claimed 750,000 lives. By then, the men had grown numb to the idea of peace. British generals demanded a 24-hour non-stop artillery bombardment on Christmas Day, 1915. Germans and other countries, you know, similar orders. 19, the Christmas truce of 1914, if it was up to them, would never happen again. And it didn't. But all the reports say that if it was left to the men in the trenches they would have stopped fighting that day. After shaking hands and hugging and playing soccer and, and doing the kind of things that they did on the truce, if it was up to the guys in the trenches, they wouldn't have fought another day. It's the higher-ups, it's Satan and his minions that keep the fight going. And that is where we find our fight, is against him and against his schemes. May we remember the Christmas truce of 1914 and the bravery of those soldiers have the courage to come out of our trenches, see those around us that are just as tired of fighting as we are, and reach out in the name of Jesus to those that Satan holds captive and bring peace into the world. May our words and actions of love and peace and Jesus speak louder to them than Satan's lies of selfishness, greed, hostility, loneliness, emptiness. May we do what we can to bring light into this world. If there's anything that we can do to help you this morning, if you want to be a part of that light, if you want to be a part of that family that looks after each other, that prays for each other when we are hurting, who mourns with those who mourn, that if you want that freedom, if you've got these burdens on your shoulders that are wearing you down and, and, and dragging you through the mud, may you come this morning, become part of the family of God, 
have those burdens lifted off of your shoulders. Join us. May we help you in any way that we can. If there's any need that anybody here this morning has, come on down as we stand and as we sing, and let us help you.